Random Ask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for May 2nd, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest, Gateway Editor Jordan McAlpine. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Experience Verizon's 5G, 5G Ultraman business. Verizon Wireless 5G built right. The Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Dine in, take out, or catering your next event. At 5611 South Valley, New Boulevard, Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts. Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Burrito Express. The East Valley's home would be always available breakfast burrito. Go to burritoexpress.com. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in San Diego. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask. This is part of the Addison Hockey SW.com. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans, college hockey fans as it may be in the NCAA. This is College Hockey Southwest Live presented by our all over the valley of uh, the Phoenix metro area, three different locations, as well as online at BehindTheMask.com. Scott Strandy joining you again from my familiar home right now. It is Plano, Texas, as I kick back and relax after watching a great a- a- uh, ECHL game today. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from that beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York, where I do all the work and he gets to relax. How does it work, folks? Paul, how are you? Uh, yeah, I, you get to do all the work there, world traveler. And I'm stuck in my basement as usual, um, you know, playing into obviously every stereotype here. Um, so I don't this give me this. Uh, I'm doing all the work and sitting back and laying back. Yeah, okay. It's all good. It's all well, good. I, yeah. I, I know one thing. You get a good chuckle every time you see a game go to overtime because you know it's going to mean another late night for me. And well, uh, every everything that I do right now, Paul, is overtime. That's all. Well, it seems like every game goes into overtime. That's for sure. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, at the, the under-18s, the, all the U.S. games either go down to the last second or they're going into overtime. You had overtime tonight. <laughs> or this afternoon, or whatever the heck it is, because, like I said, down here in my basement, I don't have any windows, so uh, I don't <laughs> know what time it is. Um, uh, yeah, I just it, stay been... here and hope that that I don't miss getting put on the show. So, <laughs> never gonna happen, my friend. Never gonna happen. Um, but anyway, um, for those of you that don't know, I've been uh, in Texas now for uh, what nine days. Um, <sighs> just outside of Dallas in beautiful Plano, Frisco area for the uh, U18s, which started last Monday. This Monday, tomorrow, we're going to have the quarterfinals starting. Um, and why is that important to us? Well, there's a lot of college hockey players, that future college hockey players yeah, that are playing. Yeah, they haven't playing played there yet, yeah. Right now. 
And um, there's a lot of NHL draft picks this year, next year, maybe even the year after that um, that are playing. So it's a lot of fun to keep track of. A couple of guys yeah. that have jumped out at us, uh, or at, at me anyway, is uh, Sean Barons, the d- young defenseman that's going to Denver. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I know you've tweeted me a couple times saying, oh, we got lucky on that one. But good Lord, the guy has seen so much ice time, and he has been all over the ice being physical. He's not very big. Uh, he's offensive. He's defensive. He can do anything that they ask him to do. So uh, Sean Barons is one to keep uh, your eye on over the next four years if he stays at Denver that long. Um, hey, I, just, anyway. I just kind of yeah. call it the way I see it, right? I mean, uh, it's I not – it's it's an individual moment that we're talking about. and um, You know, just like – I mean, there were a lot of times in that game last night where the U.S. had nobody in front of the net. You're not going to score against guys that good unless you go back to old-school, old-time hockey, get somebody in front of the net, and annoy the goalie. You're just not. Yeah. Well, it all started when number five, Ty Murchison, got in front of the net, and he's not supposed to be in front of the net, I don't think. He's a well, defenseman. <laughs> it was last night because they had some issues. I mean, we, we, we never found out what happened to Red uh-huh. Savage because uh, who didn't play the second half of the game yesterday, but – they put Ty Murchison yeah, in his place and, and at some point in the lineup there. However, they rejiggered it. But that's really when the physical play started to happen. So Okay, so you brought up Red Savage. He's headed to Miami. He calls Scottsdale his birthplace. I don't know that he ever lived there. But um, <laughs> but anyway. Well, that's also a, a family player. thing, though. Yeah, I know. And uh, and the other thing that uh, the other person Miami we want to touch Ohio, on is. You know, in, in, in Oxford. Ohio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, Jack Devine is the uh, power forward, I guess we call him, that is headed to uh, Denver as well. So those four I've been really focused on, but my goodness, I've seen some really good talent. I have my my favorite name uh, of all of the tournament, Paul, uh, for the Czech Republic, Marcel Marcel. Okay, I thought you were going somewhere else. Thank God. No. Absolutely love Marcel Marcel. And right after I tweeted it out that he was my favorite name player, he got ejected for a check from behind. Wow, <laughs> so, that figures. So I, I'm not ever talking about that again. Anyway, <laughs> in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, by Jordan McAlpine, who uh, is the editor, sports editor of The Gateway and also the Omaha hockey writer. So we got a lot of Omaha stuff to get into tonight, and I think that's good. He's also yeah. very, very familiar with the NCHC, so we'll plug him on that. We'll find out about their senior as, uh, associate athletic director, Mike Kemp, who got the first recipient of the NCHC Commissioner's Award, um, mostly, I believe, for his efforts in the the pod. So, um, Well, that, yeah. that was a giant undertaking, and, and, you know, we've talked to the commissioner about it, and um, we've gotten a few stories uh, from people in the pod. We had Dave Starman on a couple of weeks ago. We got some stories from him. Uh uh, we'll find out if Jordan's got any, uh, any anything that we haven't been told yet uh, about what happened in the pod, because I, I, I would imagine he had some experiences there. But we're going to find out because I don't want to assume anything. Yeah, um, exactly. We're also going to find out Jordan's thoughts on this crazy portal that we've been talking about for a month now or maybe longer. Yeah. Uh, as the summer goes on, it gets crazier and crazier. So we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, just to kind of wrap up uh, what's going on with the uh, the under-18s, though, Paul, uh, they've done a great job here in, in Frisco and Plano. Plano, 
I had the group A's, so you couldn't get over there and, and see any of them. Uh, you see the players getting on and off the bus. That was about it. Um, group B, I've been able to see every day that the American team played. So uh, four games last week. And um, they, they've set it up really good because the quarterfinals are going to play two games uh, that you can't get a ticket for and then two games that you can get a ticket for. And those two in the afternoon and evening session will be uh, Canada and Czech Republic first, followed by Sweden and USA. Um, I don't know if you can get four teams <laughs> more fun to watch than those four. And I'm dying to see Canada because I have no idea what they're doing over in Group A, but they are pounding people. Yeah, well, they usually do. I mean, let's face it, they probably have in any of these tournaments more depth than anybody else just by sheer numbers uh, of people that play. Um, you know, there's, you know, when you get to these tournaments, uh, when you get to the final eight, you expect it to be the U.S., Canada, Russia, Finland, Sweden, the Czech Republic, um, and, and, and and you go from there. Um, it's hard for some of those other countries who are getting better. I mean, the Swiss get better every year. The Germans get better every year. It's just hard to crack that top six. Yeah, with, without a countries. doubt. You know, let, let me let me tell you what I've seen with my eyes as I've been in person watching this. The uh, the Russian team is phenomenal at really good sniper type shots, quick release, very accurate, and they're not afraid to shoot it whenever they can. And if you watch them do warm ups, I've never seen a team other than them do their warm ups the way they do. I have a warm up. Uh, video I'm going to put. I think I put it out the very first day, but so that's coming up as well on the website. Um, also, uh, I found out that the Czechs are very big up front. Um, they don't like to hit a whole lot, I don't think, but they do when they have to. I found out that the Finns are really good skating and probably the best sticks of the uh, entire tournament that I've seen so far because, man, they, they can pick pucks right out of mid midair and not just one or two guys. I mean, six or seven of their guys, uh, they have really, really good sticks, and they don't even have to touch your body. They can go around you if they need to. And then finally, the uh, the downfall, I think, of the USA team this year, and I think they have the most talent, but I don't think they're going to win the gold, and I'll tell you why. I think they're missing some grit. They uh, have so much skill that they don't even know where to put it all, but they don't have those grinders. As you mentioned earlier, you got to get in front of the net. you got to find uh, a way to get – uh, pucks to the net once you're there and you got to finish and uh, they were better the other night and won that game in overtime and, and the crazy part about that is the building went crazy like they should when you win but it did nothing for them it finished them in third place they were going to finish either second or third no matter what they did but but even getting the win well <laughs> didn't get them ahead of finland see, so yeah see don't say it didn't do anything for them because when you when you blow a lead and you fall behind late in the game, and you score with three seconds left, and win in overtime. Uh, things like that can, not always, you know, push you forward and propel you forward and give you a lot of confidence. So let's see. They got a gre greasy, dirty, scrambly goal there to tie the game with three seconds left, and then you know, got a pretty goal in overtime to win it, but. Um, you know, you, you have to do that. And, 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 and I don't care what level of hockey you're playing at. That's how you win. 
um, most times. I mean, if yeah, you're just totally. outskilled, if you're just outskilled, you don't, have, you know, most of the time, that's the only way you're going to win. Yeah, totally agree with you. That the problem in this type of format is it's three, two, one in points. Three if you get a regulation win, two if you win in overtime, and one if you lose in overtime. So you need to win in regulation. And the American team went to overtime twice. Yeah. Um, well, listen. So, you got to yeah. you, you, you have to you, you're going to have you have to go through the other teams to win anything anyway. It is what it is. Um, you're, well, you're either, you know, I guess basically the goal in the first round is not to play Canada and they and they're not. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that I was just going to say the goal is not to play Canada. All right. Let's, the take a two break. let's take a two minute break and let's come back with Jordan McAlpine from the gateway, the sports editor, and also the, uh, uh, Omaha hockey writer in two minutes. Behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their Inline skates or extra rolls of tape for your stick. At Behind the Mask, we have all the nation's top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal. Welcome back in, hockey fans. This is College Hockey Southwest Live, our reaction show, as we react to everything that happens in NCAA hockey during the regular season. During COVID, we reacted to games that were played all week, and now we're in the summertime and reacting to things off the ice. So, Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Plano, Texas tonight. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, out on beautiful Long Island, New York. And, uh, Paul, it is our pleasure to bring on the uh, sports editor from the Gateway and also the hockey writer for uh, Omaha Maverick Hockey, Jordan McAlpine. Jordan, Scott, and Paul with you tonight. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on tonight, guys. How you guys doing? Hey, yeah, no oh, problem. We're doing, we're, uh, we're doing a – listen, as long as the weather warms up, I'm okay. I, I don't know about <laughs> Scott. You know, maybe he's road-weary, but um, as long as the weather starts to warm up, I'm okay. 
Well, Jordan, it's great to have you. I know I, I gave you kind of a short notice, but uh, I'm glad you responded because I know you have a lot of insight into NCAA hockey, especially Omaha hockey and especially the NCHC and uh, just a little background. Paul and I added uh, Colorado College, Denver, and Air Force to our coverage area along with Arizona State this year. So we're dabbling into the NCHC a little bit too, but um, I know you've been there for a little while and uh, covering it all. So uh, let's start off by that. Tell us a little bit about what you do in Omaha. Yeah, so I am the sports editor at the Gateway, which is the student newspaper at UNO. Um, cover all the hockey games, especially this year. So a little bit of an uptick with the NCHC pod in the month of December. And then on top of it, been doing a lot of freelance work. Um, did that for nchc.com during the pod, a little bit for college hockey news, and then I've also done some of the U.S. national stuff with USA Hockey. So it's uh, it's been a busy busy four or five months, but worth it in the end. And then now into spring sports with baseball, soccer, some of the other stuff going on. So it's definitely uh, kept me busy writing, and every time I turn around, there's a new story angle to uncover, so I can't complain. All right, yeah, so I give understand. us... Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, just give us a little bit of a feel uh, for what I know you did a Q&A with the athletic director, mm-hmm. uh, Trev Alberts. Give us a little bit of a feel of the landscape right now of, of the athletic program at the school in general. Yeah, so it's actually uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. I born and raised, grew up here in Omaha with it, just to see, even in my lifetime, how much has changed, how far it's came, how much has shifted that Trev and I talked, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Omaha or familiar with the area at all, that where Baxter Arena Baxter Arena is located uh, is in the Exarban Village District. All kinds of hotels, shops, everything, uh, a lot of on-campus dorms down the street, apartments. So that area is really blown up that they this spring opened up a baseball softball complex and are in the process of phase three of that project, which uh, can't really get into too many details yet. I know they're still in the process of approving everything and going through whether it's donors and everything else that goes into it, that uh, that'll entail some more stuff for the athletic department, kind of trying to get everybody grouped together in the same spot, which I know has been a trend around college sports, but just to see how much the stuff has blown up in recent years with Baxter, with the baseball, softball, everything over there, that it's uh, it's an exciting time. And then looking on the field itself or on the ice with hockey, um, Hockey programs back in the NCAA tournament. Soccer actually just lost, men's soccer just lost today, but they were in the NCAA tournament. So I know a lot of people around the uh, athletic department are happy with where things are at, and it'll be interesting to see what the next few months will entail. Jordan, you know, um, uh, Omaha hockey has uh, has exploded, like you said, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been through Omaha a few times. I've been to Baxter a couple of times, and um, it, it's such a great environment, and you know it goes right back to the roots of Dean Blaze and guys like that 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 kind of laid the the groundwork. But um, as as Omaha explodes and the hockey gets better, tell us how they they fit in the NCHC because I think they fit like a glove. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about it is even. You look at this roster breakdown that a lot of people around the country, I mean, you just touched on it with the word blow up, a perfect way to put it. 
wouldn't expect uh, a program like Omaha to be competing how it is. You look at the roster, there's kids from Minnesota coming down, kids from Canada out in the East Coast that they're able to get that recruiting, but it's almost putting them on par with it. Uh, top four finish this year, and I don't think I'm uh, too far ahead when I say that group might have almost been a year ahead from where their full potential is that in the NCHC, uh, they're pushing for that top half of the conference. And even you look geographically, I mean, it showed this year pretty close to, you got the West with Denver and CC, you got Western and Miami out in the Far East, kind of that uh, centrally located spot, which played into their hands with getting the pod for that central meeting spot. But on the ice, uh, I know a few years ago under Coach Gabinet's first couple of years, you got that transition turnover from Coach Blaise. They might not have had the numbers or record that they wanted, but uh, the potential's there the next couple of years. And uh, I don't know if I'd go as far to say the sky's the limit, just considering on the national scheme or national scale of college hockey, some of the programs you're going up against. But Gavinette and his staff obviously uh, have done a good job putting themselves kind of on par in that mix. Well, the question that I would have uh, as we get past last season, a uh, season where they did make the NCAA tournament, um, and, and as you talk about a year early, um, this was not a team with a lot of seniors this past year. Uh, what is the word on those guys coming back? Uh, they have three seniors for, or that could potentially come back with that extra year. And uh, Marty Sundberg, Kevin Conley, and Nate Konepke. Sundberg has already told me that he will be coming back for next season, which that'll be a big boost for them. Um, sure. I know, I know Conley is still kind of in the, the wait and see contemplating his decision mode and not a hundred percent sure on Konepke, uh, haven't had much contact on that front, but I will say the other thing is they're going to add Brendan McManus from Minnesota as another transfer coming in for, he'll have one more year of eligibility, but you look at that lineup going into next season, it, it's pretty well set with it, but they really don't, they don't lose anything. If anything, they gain and, uh, I know it's the topic everyone wants to talk around with college hockey that I'm sure we'll get into it with the transfer portal, but you look into the guys that they lost. Besides Ryan Burchette, the other five guys combined were zero points. I know Noah Prokop, kind of their grit guy on that fourth line, extra forward here and there, but all things considered, when you look in that lineup, uh, everything's coming back for the most part. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about that group. Jordan, well, I want to ask. Hold on one second, Paul. I want to sneak one in before we get into that portal thing, because <laughs> yeah. I know we're going to get going on that in just a second. But Jordan, I was up for the frozen face-off uh, mm -hmm. at Grand Forks, and um, it, things got a little bit tense between uh, Omaha and Denver, and I thought it was kind of fun <laughs> because because not often does a coach uh, like David Carl come out and say after his team wins that. It's really he starts the press conference out by saying it's really hard to eliminate uh, some, or end somebody's season, and I was going like, "Oh, not quite so fast, coach." Uh, what what was it like for you and and Omaha? Because Omaha felt that they deserved a spot in the NCAA tournament. Denver thought they did too. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that? <laughs> I kind of joked with a couple of people around here, and not just David Carl. And I I will say I've got all all the respect in the world for DC as a coach, but I look around the country with a couple of other guys and it almost looked like a used car salesman or politician going to bat for their team with some of the pitches people were coming out and making. 
But uh, oh yeah, I I can say on the o- Omaha front, and even in that post game press conference, uh, if you remember, Nolan Sullivan kind of alluded to it himself. But there was always the belief around the group this season that they were going to get in. Um, I know on the national stage, a lot of a lot of people had him as a yo yo on that bottom bottom tier of the teams for the tournament, but I. It was interesting, to say the least, especially not having a pairwise or any type of non-conference play to compare teams this season. The The other thing I point to that I know a lot of uh, Denver themselves and a lot of the other people around the country could have point to with Omaha is they got off to the strong start that they did in the pod. But in the second half, I know, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I want to say almost half of their wins came against Colorado College. But I mean, when you're playing six straight against North Dakota to close out the season in Omaha's case, that's uh, that's not any easy task or easy ask for a team. And to get two wins out of that, I, I do think there was confidence around the Omaha program. Uh, Coach Gabinette stay, stayed a little quiet on that front, understandably so with it. But it's uh, it was an interesting few days to say the least. And hopefully we don't have to deal with the season like this one again anytime in college hockey. Agree. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Well, you know, the uh, the the politicking, as you say, uh, was fun for us <laughs> because we didn't have to make any of the decisions. Matter of fact, we wanted more politicking because, um, like I said, it was fun for us. Um, it, we That's the entertainment or, value, right? <laughs> yeah, we probably filled two or three shows with that, Scott. No. Yeah, I totally agree. At least, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but when it, when it when it comes down to it, um, when you speak to people around the team, um, just you know, did they, as, as it came down to at the end, uh, when they got into the tournament, um, was was that good enough for them or? Or did they just, you know, they're like, uh, you know, we need to, we need, we were disappointed in the way we played, or, 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 or what was the feeling around the program when, when, when they did, uh, you know, lose that tournament game? Well, I was gonna say real quick to add in one other thing, uh, just okay. touch on it. I found interesting was uh, with so many people going into the decision-making process of who's in the tournament this year, when, when you bring the historical numbers into it with that uh, Omaha-Denver situation, justifying four or five NCHC teams getting into it, that uh, almost had that look of the uh, the conference against conference fighting, fighting for that last spot, which just added another interesting wrinkle into it. But uh, with the Omaha aspect... <laughs> I do think after that Denver game, especially up in Grand Forks, a lot of disappointment around the group, and especially with some of the guys that they have on that roster, that uh, losing is everything that they hate losing, that obviously wanted to get get back on the grind right away. Uh, I know they didn't stop practicing that week before the tournament, going straight into it, which goes back to that confidence or assurance of getting into it, but... With that Minnesota loss, uh, kind of a kind of a gut punch with a lot of those kids, I'm sure. But uh, once again, it gets back to it. That I know it sounds cliche, but you just got to get right back up and bounce back this next season. And with the group that they have coming back, once again, 
I do think there is a lot of potential there for it, but um, definitely not the result they wanted, especially around here and talking to people around the sport, was not expecting that type of game. Uh, 7-2 if I'm 6-2, 7-2, yeah, if like I that. remember right off the top of my head. That, yeah, uh, something like that. Issue with that, you go down 3 nothing real early there. There's real no... Uh, you get the one back, and then once again, Minnesota counters right away. That you kind of kind of behind the eight ball from the start and i i know a lot of people were expecting omaha to potentially be one of those four seeds to make a run at it and you look around the country and Bemidji gets through there that uh not the result maybe but more than anything not the type of game that uh i'm sure people within the media or on the team were expecting so jordan you know um it's always hard in college hockey because they get programmed. Maybe this year is a little different, but the teams get programmed to play a series, a Friday, Saturday night or whatever. That's why we do a Sunday night uh, live reaction show because normally there's games to uh, to recap quickly after the weekend series. But this year it's different, and in the NCAA tournament it's always different, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to come in. There are no second chances. Uh, if you're not ready to go uh, opening face-off, you're in trouble. Um, and it's a difficult tournament to get through, and it's hard to explain. Like Minnesota handled you guys, but then but then Minnesota State handled them. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's crazy. Uh, any rhyme or reason to that, or your thoughts on on the NCAA tournament and how that all works? Well, I will say one thing too with the season as a whole this year. That's actually kind of interesting. Is I know you just touched on it, almost more of that pro style schedule. That uh, from talking to Coach Gabinet and a lot of the players with Omaha specifically, not to speak for other programs, but I know a lot of the guys actually liked it. And especially you look in that pod, you play 10 games in 21 days, your mind is hockey, 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 and that's really it for that stretch. That uh, it allowed a lot of the guys to settle into a routine. And I know you look at some aspects with Omaha, Isaiah Seville between the pipes, uh, the workload that he got in that, that I'm sure that's quite the adjustment for a, a lot of kids, especially at that age. But you you would almost think that'd be the type of thing that would benefit an NCHT team going into the tournament. And you look at that Loveland Regional specifically, I mean, just look at the defensive game. Mankato came to play against Minnesota. It was night and day difference for the Gophers. That, oh, uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of tough to get by it, and obviously Mike Hastings and company did their did their homework, knew it had to be done to get the win, and they played that game plan to a T. But it's, I, I know it's any sport is that way that uh, Jekyll and Hyde are night and day between a team. That I don't know if I'd really put my finger on one specific thing that's the reasoning and the difference in play from night to night, but uh, showed with Omaha if you're not ready to go right from the get-go that your back's up against the wall right away and it's kind of hard to rebound well let's 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 talk about uh, the 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 guy that uh, obviously is 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 kind of it's it's he's not overlooked Isaiah Seville but mm-hmm. there's so much goaltending in that conference that it's oh, yeah. easy to overlook somebody I mean the uh the, the the freshman Pearson at at, at Miami, uh, a team that came in either I can't remember if it was last or next to last, was second team All Conference. Yep, and for a stretch of the season, he was you could argue in a lot of ways he was the best goaltender in that conference. And no no disrespect to Chris Bergeron and that team that they had out in Oxford, but 
Ludwig Pearson is the reason they stayed in a lot of those games. That you look at what he had to work with in front of him, it it's almost uh, makes you think of what those numbers could have been if there was more of a team defensively, especially ahead of him. That uh, you look around the NCHC, obviously, as you guys probably both know all too well, what what you're getting in Adam Scheel. There's no denying on that. A guy like David Hrenick up in St. Cloud. Even Duluth, you look at that overtime game against North Dakota with both Fanti oh. and Zach, that uh, when you've got that 1A, 1B platoon that you can trust either guy on a nightly basis, that it just goes to show the goaltending depth. But with Isaiah, I know Omaha's a team that on, on some of the time kind of rides or dies with their play between the pipes. I know we got pulled a couple games, Minnesota game, one of them, that it almost, uh, the fate depends on what you get in between the pipes, but... He he might be the draft pick of the group, but like you said, he might not be the one noticed as much of some of those NCHC goalies. And it's uh, he's definitely grown in two years already down here. That it's kind of a a blessing in disguise for Coach Gavinette and his group, I'm sure, to uh, maybe not have that big spotlight, big attention on it some of the time, and just let him do what he does on a nightly basis. But yeah, I will say size alone too with him that there's a lot of pro potential with that kid. Well, yeah, speaking of, hold on a second, Paul. I got to get onto that real quick. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, Jordan, Jordan, I spend an awful lot of time in Vegas, and everybody asks me everywhere I go, "How does Isaiah Seville look?" And um, yeah, he he has pro material. And you mm-hmm. look at being in the Vegas organization with the depth of goaltending right now. Yeah. Um, th- <laughs> three, three, four years from now, though, I don't know what's going to be there. Um, I don't think Mark Andre is going to play through this after this contract. He um, might. He might. He might. But he, uh, the man but that never he, ages, right? No, clearly not. <laughs> so, so my question is: You've talked to Isaiah enough now. What what's his feeling of being a Golden Knight in the future? Is is he looking forward to that? Does he think that's pretty cool? Or what's his thoughts on that? You know, I I can honestly say that's actually. Uh, one topic I haven't really gotten into too much with them, especially this season, as I know almost everyone in the media around the country can uh, relate to this and attest to this, not having that practice access, not sure. having that ability to talk uh, to guys kind of <laughs> off the off the record stuff, but then also just kind of shooting the breeze outside a locker room or outside a rink after practice. You don't get that opportunity as much to, uh, connect and see that personal or social side off the ice with him but he's a he's definitely a confident kid a lot to like about him off the ice with it uh world junior with the usa experience i know is really good for him even though he might not have gotten to the games like he would have wanted to just to get that test and uh exposure you look at that roster some of the guys he was playing around those are the guys he (laughs) wants to go against on a nightly basis in the nhl eventually But also with the uh, the pro side of it, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a goalie ass or a goalie um, expert, expert on that. But player. you you watch on a nightly basis. He tracks pucks well. The size he moves well. I will say from uh, his sophomore year to freshman year, I did see a big improvement in that. That some of the times there's some uh, issues with rebound control and just kind of shooting stuff right back out into the slot with guys but with with the size and uh, he's still a young goalie obviously you can uh correct that and keep building on it but i will say with isaiah that uh he's poised and confident kid would be the best way to put it and it's no surprise that they trust him as much as they do on a nightly basis i'm 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he started either 23 or 24 of their 26 games this season. So quite the workload for a sophomore. Yeah, and, and he doesn't need to worry about it because, honestly, uh, there is there is no shame in being behind Spencer Knight mm-hmm. uh, on a roster uh, who went from winning that gold medal basically to, to the NHL in a few months. So yep. there's there's nothing wrong with being behind that guy. Well, and also at the Vegas standpoint, I mean, use Pecorino as a classic example. Goaltending is a position that takes a while to develop, and it, it's not a bad thing to let a kid kind of sit in the AHL for a few extra years in season and develop. So I, uh, I, I'm sure it's something in the back of Isaiah's head and has crossed his mind several times with it, but I don't know if it's at the forefront of what he's worried about right now with that pro experience. Yeah, it makes total sense. And uh, if you're going to be in an organization, be in the Golden Knights organization because <laughs> they're first class from start to finish. And playing in the AHL in a new building in Henderson just outside of Las Vegas is not a bad place to spend your uh, AHL career. So, okay, but we got we to gotta jump into this portal because Paul <laughs> and I have been just uh, hashing it over. Uh, at one point, there was over 250 names in that portal. Correct. Coach Powers at, at Arizona State has told us that this might be a five-year washout period to get everybody through that extra year of eligibility and get things back to quote-unquote normal. Uh, your thoughts on the portal and how it's affecting college hockey? And Portal or free agency? What do we want to call it? You call it whatever you want. <laughs> I, call it, I call it the NCAA no. free agency frenzy. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Don't encourage them. It, it's a... Uh, interesting dynamic that's been added to the fold that uh i i guess i picked the right time to uh enter this field and industry with that going on but uh or or maybe the wrong time depending on how you want to look at that but i uh people i've had several people ask me my thoughts on it and i I guess the best thing to put it is it's almost a case-to-case basis and i'll just use omaha specifically you look at the guys john schultz Josh Boyer, Alex Wall, Travis Kaltenbutel, that realistically looking at the roster in Omaha, they're not going to get in the play. And when you're a 20-some, 21, 22-year-old kid, you're obviously not wanting to go to college to sit in the stands as a healthy scratch on a nightly basis, be used as a warm practice body type of thing. So in those situations, I, I can't say I blame the kid, but and also I know... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong with the schools. I want to say it's maybe Bowling Green and Lake Superior State. There's a couple of them that don't offer any type of graduate or master's program. That with this year, all the seniors, that if they want to continue with the schooling aspect, that they were kind of left on an island stranded alone. But uh, there, there's certain situations where I just kind of sit there and shake my head that I don't know if I'd say giving up per se, but a a kid just wants to see if the grass is greener on the other side of it and look at another opportunity. When you're a college coach going into recruiting, you got to look three, four years down the road with it that uh, some of the onus is kind of on the kid at the same time to honor your commitment in that situation that I think that's added a new element that if you don't like it, you can just get up and leave type of thing. But the, the one thing that I will say about it that um, with this year more than anything, with that extra year, I, I do not envy the position of college head coaches in any sport. With 
scholarships, <laughs> roster sizes. You you think about all these little oh, ex- extra elements uh, to to oh. weigh out and balance that. It's a it's a headache waiting to happen. And even I talked to Coach Gavinette about it several times that. With Omaha, they've got double-digit kids that could potentially be eligible to come in that they haven't even finalized who's coming for incoming freshmen next year. And part of it is you look at Nate Konepke, Kevin Conley, Marty Sundberg, the seniors potentially coming in, McManus as a senior getting added to the fold. If you're a college head coach, you can't go to a – kid in the ushl right now and say hey do you want to come sit on the bench for or sit in the stands for a year next year that you got to kind of manage and find that balance between having a a kid come back in the senior aspect but also you don't want to piss off an incoming freshman or mess up your recruiting class two three years down the line over one more year of a kid or one more year of a transfer from the portal that it's uh it's definitely a, a tough spot to be in right now, but as as cliche as it sounds, once again, everyone's dealing with it. So I, I don't I know that's probably a long winded answer that I, I don't know. Per, per <laughs> no, se. hey, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, Jordan. Uh, I am an AHU alum, and if you look at their quote unquote verbal commit list mm-hmm. uh, for for next fall, uh, they've only announced seven. Uh, were, there was like four recruits and some tra- five recruits and some transfers. Yep. Uh, but there's like 15 names on the verbal commit list. Yep. Uh, they're not all coming in that we know of. Uh, some of those guys are going to get pushed back, but a couple of those guys, I think are 20 and they're going to age out. Yep. So, um, I, I assume that's what you're talking about with, with, with Omaha as well there. Yep. And, and I will say, I mean, in certain situations, and there's been several kids that have done it themselves in a, and don't get me wrong, transferring has always been part of college athletics, but nowhere near on the, the tier that the portals put it on right now. But kids going back for another year of junior is not the worst thing in the no. world, especially in, especially in hockey. That no. it's not gonna, it's not gonna affect negatively the game of a lot of these kids that it almost, if anything, it benefits them. That uh, in Omaha's position though is, this is another interesting aspect. If you look at their roster on a nightly basis right now, every single scratch in uh, more often than not, every single scratch last season is gone. So when you add McManus to the roster, he essentially is the placeholder that fills in either Prokop or Brichette, whoever was in the night or uh, lineup on a nightly basis. There is no one else besides that starting lineup. That you gotta get you gotta get bodies obviously somewhere to fill it and you want that internal competition, but whether that's the transfer portal route or with your incoming recruits, you just gotta manage so much right now and you gotta think big picture in long term more than anything. Especially in college sports where it's not a, a year to year basis where you're pushing all your chips in. You you gotta build a program. And that's the thing that I think makes it the toughest on a lot of these coaches. Uh, you could probably yeah. have a three or four hour conversation a week, <laughs> yeah. with coach, in terms of the roster and roster management uh, for the next couple of years. You might, I mean, fortunately, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys do a print edition anymore, but um, fortunately, there's no space <laughs> uh, brackets around how long you can have an article on the internet. I mean, 
in terms of the size. I mean, maybe there is. That's way above my pay grade. Um, but you could probably sit down with the coach once a week and have a three or four hour conversation about this. Well, I might be able to do it once a day with how much it was changing for a little bit there. And, and that that's the thing that's fascinating about it to me is, it, like, I'll use the NCHC for an example. A couple guys, Peter Tomey up at UND, Cohen Olaszewski yeah. out at Denver, Casey yep. Gilling at Miami. I, you've got good players who have obviously proven and established themselves in arguably the best conference in college hockey for the last two, three years, that if you're in the situation of a program, an Omaha, a Colorado College, a, a Duluth, whoever in the NCHC, that obviously you would love to bring in a guy of that caliber, but once again, it goes back to building your program for one more year of it, that it it's just the uh, the the pickle that everyone is in. But I mean, I'm kind of a firm believer that I'd almost rather value that experience in the known commodity compared to you don't know what you're gonna get from an incoming freshman with it. Which that's the with Omaha seniors specifically. Sunberg's coming back, but I look at a guy like Kevin Conley, captain from your leadership perspective, one of your top offensive contributing forwards, speed on a nightly basis that if if I'm the coach or if I'm in that position, which thankfully they don't uh they don't pay me the big bucks to make those decisions, but I'd almost value that a lot more over an incoming freshman that it's a it's an interesting conundrum. <laughs> okay, so let me let me throw this out at you, Jordan, uh, and I'm going to date myself age-wise now. But in, 19, in 1980, I went to the University of Minnesota Duluth, and uh, I went there on a golf scholarship, but uh, hung around the hockey team a lot because at that time in 1980, there weren't practice players, so they needed somebody to beat the heck out of. Uh, <laughs> so, so a lot of times that was us that volunteered, um, but. I can remember back then with Mike Sertich as a coach that if you thought you wanted to go somewhere else and you had the guts to go into his room, oh boy, that was something <laughs> because you just didn't talk about transferring if you made a commitment to Mike Sertich about being a bulldog. Yep. Um, so that's so that's part one. Now it seems like, yeah, I'm not happy with my playing time. See you, coach, uh, which I'm not real uh, a real fan of. The second thing is, um, with all these good players you're talking about, when they move place to place, who knows if it's going to be any greener on the other side? I mean, Correct. Uh, some of these guys are just going for one year. Yes. Uh, what's going to happen uh, if, if you, that year is not fun for you? Uh, it, did you ruin your college experience just for one example? And then the other thing is, like we just talked about, there are so many people and there just aren't enough lockers. I mean, we're talking about Lindenwood coming on board now in a couple of years. We're talking about LIU came on this year. Uh, we're talking about uh, Alaska, uh, Anchorage trying to resurge. Uh, but even with all those teams, there just isn't enough lockers. Yeah, well, and realistically, and obviously, neither of the three of us are in those rooms when those conversations are going on, but you almost wonder how many guarantees of playing time there are. If you're a kid that makes that move, if there's that unknown of if you'll even be in the lineup, that uh, it's it's the risk that these kids are taking that hopefully it all all works out for the best. But uh, the other thing I will say, if it makes you feel any older or dates you, that uh, Duluth story you said was 20 years before I was even born. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you you look at you look around college Jordan, hockey just, though. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, I was Jordan. gonna say, I mean. 
I don't know what he was fishing for with that thing. <laughs> I'm smart enough to, to, uh, to, 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 I, I was not on a scholarship. I think I was on a drinking scholarship. So, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why he's, he's got to do that. But, uh, well, well no. my point, my point being guys is that you, in 1980, you were afraid to death to go in and tell your coach that you didn't like it after he gave you a scholarship and, and you wanted to go somewhere else. Oh my God. I talked to Mike Peluso, um, a lot and uh, we talk about that frequently about man you don't want to be that guy that goes in the coach's office and says hey i just got a four-year scholarship from you but i'm not happy after two it just didn't happen and i know times have changed but but still now there's less lockers and that really concerns me as a as a hockey fan well and honestly you bring up a great point with with that that even Times are changing is an understatement, but even going back to when I first started following college hockey, the fantasy young kid, your Red Berensons, your Sarah Torres, your Dean Blaze, even with Omaha, your Mike Kemp's of the world, all these old, quote-unquote, old-school coaches, per se, they're not in those offices right now. You've got a lot of younger coaches, look, even in the NCHC, for uh, further proof of that, that the... Uh, the type of recruiting coaches are having to do, but also with this transfer portal as a prime example, just the type of game it is more so off the ice than on the ice right now is shifting, and it's shifting pretty quickly. All right, well, I'll, I'll ask this question, uh, and I don't know if you've had a chance to speak uh, to any of the coaching staff there. Uh, how anxious are they in terms of recruiting anxious to get to june 1st when they can actually start doing this in person again <laughs> anxious doesn't do that enough justice i don't think <laughs> uh, especially after the past year and I, I know this might be a little bit more broad than just recruiting but to answer it bluntly is it it's it's been hard just obviously it's been hard on everyone around the globe but right. just just from a routine aspect that I've talking with Coach Gavinette about it, a couple of the Omaha assistants, that you look this season, going back to that pod, those guys spent almost a month living in a hotel that on top of that, your quote-unquote recruiting is a FaceTime call or a Zoom right. call showing guys over a computer screen what the campus is. And I mean, I'm in the same position when I'm a senior coming out of high school. I don't know if I really want to make my decision for the next four years over a laptop screen. That <laughs> that this last year for them, that it's been a blessing in some ways with the amount of time they're getting to spend with kids around the rink that are currently on the team. But uh, right. I'll use Omaha as an example. The past few years, there's, and I'm sure every program's like this, there's a lot of nights where you don't have all your coaches on the bench because somebody's out on a recruiting visit or going to scout a kid <laughs> that uh, sure. you, you've had to move away from that routine. But then also just from the day-to-day -day stuff with all the testing, no fans in the building <laughs> for most of the oh. season. Like, uh, I, I'm sure... Uh, all sports are like this. What whatever normal is going to look like, define that word how you want. But these these coaches can't wait soon enough to get back to a normal season and more than anything, a normal schedule. Sure, sure. Okay, so so Jordan, I want to wrap it up uh, with you tonight on on a couple of topics. But uh, number one is when you look at the um, 
at the future of NCHC. Uh, I'm guessing you're going to tell me it's in really good hands. And uh, <laughs> I, I know Paul, Paul and I down in me in Arizona, Paul in Long Island, but both ASU fans would really love to see Arizona State get into that conference and be a part of uh, what we think is the best conference in college hockey, or at least I'm speaking for myself. But um, your thoughts on that? Are they ever going to expand? Um, and, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or just, and this is all coming from just personal gut feeling on it that, I, obviously I know you touched on, it's probably the, uh, the, the answer everyone wants to hear that the conference is in really good standing, really good shape with the programs that they have right now. But from an expansion standpoint, I use Arizona state here in the Midwest, you look at a program like Mankato, there's others around the country, obviously, that, hey, from a skill, from a talent standpoint, that you'd sure you'd sure love to add a team like that into the fold, but there, there's so much more than just the hockey aspect that's got to make sense, the boxes got to get checked, that uh, I would think we're at least a few years away from anything of that magnitude potentially coming into play. And I, I also think, and this is just my gut feeling that if you're going to make that move, you can't do just one. You can't go to the nine team conference with, I think you got to bring a, uh, a partner to the dance table with you, so to speak that uh, you've just got to find two logistical fits that make sense. And then also, and I'll even use college football as an example that, uh, just me li- living in Omaha, Nebraska, and I think with the Big 12, I don't exactly see Morgantown, West Virginia fitting into the, the, <laughs> big, the big 12 footprint or uh, oh, Piscataway, Pisc- New Jersey, and College Park, Maryland in the Big 10. That I, 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 I get that you want to add where you can, but the, uh, the fit's got to make sense. And I, I don't know uh, how Arizona State or another potential school factors into that, but I mean, personally, I, I'd be for seeing those teams added. And even uh, Omaha's case, with as much as they've played ASU in non-conference, it almost makes more sense just to make it an NCHC opponent. But we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see where they go in that direction the next few years. Not that okay, hard to make a well, schedule well, with nine teams. It's just uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Cause everybody's <laughs> no, it's not. One team's got a weekend off. Okay, oh, so enough what? of that. We're running out of time, but I want to get one more final one in from me, uh, Jordan, and it's about uh, Senior Associate Athletic Director, Athletic Director Mike Kemp and uh, getting the first uh, NCHC Commissioner's Award. Um, a lot of that had to do with the pod, and what a terrific job he did. But you were there. What was yep. it like? Well, if you want me to talk about Kemper, we should make this like a two- to three-day show at that rate. We're good with uh, that. That's fine. <laughs> no, that uh, it's almost surreal is that that's the best word that I've told anyone and everyone that's asked me about how to describe the pod that uh, definitely something that I did not take for granted with uh, being able to drive to Baxter arena for three weeks straight. Just, I mean, you look at some of those days, you had triple headers (laughs) of hockey that it was uh, hockey, 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 and loved every minute. A lot of writing that, uh, it was a fun experience, but I will say, so with that pod, um, it was myself, Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald, and then Mick Hatton from up at St. Cloud State, that besides us and a couple other media, Mike Patterson from the World Herald, a couple other media people that rotated in here and there, 
we were in tier three it was considered so we had no access to any of the players any of the other media personnel we were not going through the testing but anyone in tier one or tier two was getting tested especially a lot of the players three four times a week that uh i did not envy that position in any any stretch of the imagination but it was uh i know even leading up there was a day in early early september i want to say it was right after the uh, school year started i went into kemper's office and talked to him for about half hour 40 minutes just to see what direction as a conference and also around the country with him being that chair on the ncaa committee this season just kind of what was going on with the potential schedule, a potential tournament, that the pod was something that was in the works. And obviously it wasn't known if Omaha would be the ultimate destination at the time. But just to see the amount of work that went into pulling that thing off. I know he was at the forefront of a lot of it. That uh, Definitely a well-deserved honor. Does a lot for both the program and the game of college hockey. And about as well-respected of a guy as you'll see around the sport. But it's uh, it's it's definitely something I won't take for granted with that experience. And uh, I wouldn't be, obviously with fans in the building, I, I wouldn't be opposed to doing something like that again. I don't know about for three weeks, but uh, we'll see where that goes. So <laughs> Yeah, can we yeah. take those games six nights a week? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> I'm in. But the Paul was in heaven with that, uh, Jordan. He was able to just sit back there and uh, and watch hockey from from the NHL bubble to the NCHC pod. He was in heaven. Yeah, yeah. there there were there were two days that I put in about an eleven hour day at Baxter Arena. So there's uh there there's a couple stretches that uh I don't know if I if I'd want to go through those again uh openly admittingly, <laughs> but all things considered, overall it was uh it was a lot of fun and uh. Def- definitely made the most of it. So, well, Jordan, it's been great talking right, well, hockey with you. Hold on, you got hold one on more. On <laughs> one more, one more general question here, Jordan. One more general is because I like to get into this a little bit usually too, especially um, not that this is college hockey related, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it is hockey related. Uh, Nebraska doesn't have its own team, so where does the hockey community? in Omaha fall in terms of uh, what teams do they pull for in general in the yeah. NHL? Um, NHL-wise, a, a lot of, just geographically speaking, you get a lot of Colorado fans, a lot of Minnesota, okay. St. Louis, Chicago, Mixon, just being in the Midwest. But uh, I, I will say with especially with interacting social media wise with fans with UNO fans specifically a lot of people have joined the uh Pittsburgh train in recent years with Jake Gensel oh, ha- having the okay, uh, that I understand. The, the stardom that he has out there with the UNO tie-in <laughs> but okay, I, I, I I will say in the Omaha community as a whole like like anywhere else you obviously get your uh transplants with people that move here that support their own teams from around wherever around the country that you are mostly relegated to your core Midwest teams. Uh, okay. But also with Omaha as a hockey community as a whole, at one point, with just about 10, uh, no, about 12 years ago now, that uh, we had three teams in the city of Omaha. 
with UNO, the Lancers, the USHL team, and then we had right. the Calgary Flames AHL affiliate for two years. But uh, still, the still the Mavs and the Lancers in town. E- each each organization or each team, I should say, has their own group of diehards with it. But it's a pretty supportive hockey community, and it's actually continued to grow here in recent years. Cool. Well, you got a great location. You got a great building. You got a great fan base. So. Uh, that's uh, a formula for success. Jordan McAlpine, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking hockey. Don't be a stranger. You're welcome anytime, my friend. Yeah, let's do this again, especially uh, especially next fall and winter when we get rocking and rolling with uh, hopefully back to normal schedule. But appreciate the opportunity. Always fun talking hockey. And uh, see you again. All right, we'll see you in the fall right. for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Jordan McAlpine from The Gateway, the sports editor at uh, the University of Nebraska, Omaha, and the uh, hockey aficionado when it comes to talking Omaha Mavericks hockey. So let's take a quick break. Paul and I will be back to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Live. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all combination plates for lunch burrito express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen try all of our authentic mexican recipes at any of our six east valley locations from scottsdale to gilbert and all points in between asu alumni owned and operated since 1995 go to burrito and check out our menu or find a location for delivery At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tequila, the Roger Client's Visit us at Mexican. Behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece. Just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live, our Sunday night reaction show. Scott Strandy from beautiful Plano, Texas tonight. Paul Hornstein, my co-host as always, from beautiful Long Island, New York. Uh, Paul, I know we're running out of time, but I always have to ask you after our guest uh, interview is done, your thoughts on the uh, knowledge of one Jordan McAlpine who is way too knowledgeable for his age. Well, yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, uh, lots of great stuff. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it is, he, he wasn't wrong when he said we could probably go two or three shows. I mean, just, you know, we, 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 I always worry about 
what the heck we're going to talk about. You don't. I do. I don't know why, but uh, I always worry about if we're going to be able to fill enough time. And and before you know it, I turn around and I'm like, oh, my God, we're almost done here. It's oh, oh, wow. OK, that went fast. So. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I know exactly what you're saying. And the same thing with this is I, I never worry about it because I know for talking hockey, there's going to be tons of topics that come up. And the one thing, and again, I know you give me a bad time about dating myself age wise, but when we talk about, um, it, Paul, back in the eighties, it, it was a, it was like a death sentence. If you thought you wanted to transfer to another university, because, and I think Coach Powers will tell you this, too. He's still a little bit on that old school side where you make a commitment to his program and then decide at the end or in the middle that you you don't want to go. You don't want to be there anymore. You don't want to fight for that cause. You don't want to be the tradition. Uh, it's a tough thing. And back in the 80s, that just was – it just was taboo. I mean, you were Well, yeah, I mean, it, just, it wasn't done in college sports, period. And it, 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 it was back in – you know, like you said, you're dating yourself. So we're, I mean, it just, it's, it is, it's a different world. And between the portal and uh, the extra year and guys now being given the right to transfer one time for free. And it's only right. I mean, uh, coaches and, and administrators can, can come and go as they please without penalty. Um, it, it's, it's not, now listen, you don't want a guy transferring every year. That's crazy. But um, one time, you know, your coach leaves or, or whatever the reason might be. Could be any number of reasons. Uh, I'm all for it. Um, just to get a couple of quick notes in here, because this is where we run out of time. Uh, University of Connecticut will be opening up a new building as we go through lots and lots of buildings. Uh, next fall in uh, October of 2022 or November of 2022, just like ASU, uh, Brinson Pashnik playing his first game in the NHL. Got about eight minutes the other night. Um, Got himself in a fight in the AHL game the other night. Well, again, I think I was, uh, was going to say it was a pretty busy week for him. Um, he, he, he played about eight minutes. He, he was, uh, he played a solid game. He wasn't out of position. He got him. You know, he got himself on the score sheet with a penalty, uh, stuck up for his goalie at one point, which I'm sure his teammates were happy with uh, on the NHL level. And then, uh, you know, got into a, a nice little scuffle the next uh, a couple of days later uh, as he was back in the, in the AHL. Uh, as you expect, you know, younger players, especially with the transition of the NHL rosters this year with taxi squads, et cetera. Uh, guys going up and down uh, as the salary cap needs to be maneuvered with uh, on a regular basis with the active roster. Um, so that was fun. Uh, well, both him Prince and Steen got did. into it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, both him and Steen in that AHL game. It's a, it's uh, a brother thing. Yeah, that's okay. Listen, I'm, I'm, listen I, I know his parents. I'm sure they were happy about that, sticking up for his brother. Um, it, you know, he becomes the first skater from ASU in the, in the NHL. So uh, congratulations to, to, to Brinson. Uh, Michigan is losing their goalie. Strauss Mann uh, has decided to go pro. It's a little weird that he announced he's going to leave Michigan to go play pro hockey. And he hadn't, he, there's no signing announced with it. So that's kind of weird. 
And uh, we already touched on Mike Kemp. So we, we got through all the topics or at least mentioned all the topics for this week. Yeah, and we know that uh, Coach Mayotte's going to get his new building opened up. I saw lots of pictures recently of uh, the new uh, Robeson Arena at Colorado College. Got their seats put in, and things are starting to shape up there. So we look forward to seeing that uh, down the road. And you know what? Uh, tomorrow it's back to the quarterfinals for the uh, back to it's it's the quarterfinals for the uh, IIHF U18 World Championship. Right here from the heart of Texas, Plano, Frisco. I will be out there to see Canada for the very first time this tournament and uh, to see what Team USA can do against Team Sweden. So good luck to all the teams in the uh, the quarterfinals. And Wednesday's the semifinals. Thursday is the gold medal and bronze medal game. So still more hockey to come. And then uh, next week we'll be back to a normal schedule. I will say that we do have Michael Weissman, the uh, Director of Communications for the NCHC, joining us on uh, on Tuesday night and tomorrow if you're a professional hockey fan you can join me and the head coach from the Allen Americans another Minnesotan Steve Martinson the second winniest winningest coach in all of hockey uh Scotty Bowman is number one Steve Martinson is number two I rest my case <laughs> all right we're gonna try to get this in I don't know how much time we have left but behind the masks college hockey southwest live on the ice time hockey sw.com network Brought to you by Roger Klein's Canción Tequila. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com to order any of our award-winning spirits, including the Extra Añejo, our new double-distilled, triple-filtered premium taste. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Burrito Express, homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. By Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America's been waiting for. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. By the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey, fabulous Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is, in the resort or in town. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Pre-game, post-game, during the game, the place to be to be with ASU fans. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeySW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Mask's College Hockey Southwest Live and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Ooh, you got it in. I love it. Great read. Uh, I will say a big thank you to Jordan McAlpine from the Gateway, the, the uh, university newspaper at uh, UNO. And uh, stay tuned tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday for more of the Quad Pod of Hockey Podcast live, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time, nearly every day of the week. Good night, Good night. everybody.